So jumping right in, uh, stories and fun updates from me. Well, if you didn't uh, see on my Instagram page, I went to Vegas and I had the best time. It's so funny. Um, it was Mike's birthday on the weekend and he said he wanted to go to Vegas. He wanted something totally different, totally new. And we'd been to Vegas in the past. It was a long time ago and we didn't stay very long. And we actually had a great time. And we're not big gamblers, uh, not huge partiers. So it's funny that he wanted to go back. But anyways, we went back. We were there from Saturday morning till midday on the 4th. And we drove from LA and it was awesome. We ended up booking our hotel, got upgraded, got a super nice hotel. It was the Virgin Mobile Hotel, the Virgin Hotels. They have an amazing pool and they have pool parties every weekend. So we hit that up right away. That was one of the first things we did. That was hilarious seriously fun. Drinks, hanging out in the sun. It was the most amazing weather. I mean, you kind of had to be in a pool at that heat. I think um, it was well above 100. It was very, very hot. So yeah, we did the pool party. We actually did a burlesque show on the first night, which was incredible. I don't know if anyone's seen burlesque, but it was so beautiful. Uh, very theatrical, very sensual, very artistic. And just honestly, the girls' dance moves were so mesmerizing. I don't know. I don't know how they do it. And the music was great. So we loved that. The second night we did um, Cirque du Soleil, the O show, which is the water-based show. And that literally blew our minds. Um, so Cirque du Soleil, I've seen it before. I haven't seen this show before. But this show was absolutely amazing. So uh, the set, it it moves, it changes, it has water, it has solid ground, it has aerial tricks, it has balancing, it has uh, contortionists. I mean, I don't even know how to describe this to you unless, of course, you've seen another Cirque du Soleil. Highly worth it. We ended up buying some upper tier seats, the front of the balcony, which were not too bad. A little bit hard to see all of the details, but for the most part, the costumes are pretty bright and the movements and the actions are pretty theatrical and you can see what's going on. So that was probably, those were probably the main highlights of the trip for me. Uh, we played one, one game at the, the casino and lost $5. Um, we had a few drinks in the hotel, a few drinks out at restaurants, definitely hit up five Tuesdays, which is the, uh, yard long drinks that was good. That was, that was a lot of fun and just walked around the strip. Um, and then the Monday before we left, we ended up going to the buffet uh, at the Wynn Hotel. It's a really high-end buffet. It's beautiful. It has uh, pretty much everything you can think of from prime rib to little hors d'oeuvres, uh, seafood, I think earlier in the morning they had waffles and pancakes and they had a whole dessert station. Well, like multiple counters with desserts. So we spent quite a while there eating. I am still full from that and yeah, enjoy yourselves. It was a, it was a really nice adventure and it was nice to just get away from the same old, same old and try something new. Um, so yeah, my sunshine medicine this week was really connecting with Mike over uh, some, you know, one-on-one -on -one time over his birthday and just being away from home. And I feel like whenever we're away from home, we focus on each other a lot more. We really connect and it's just a good, good feeling. It's a good thing for our relationship. And we always kind of realign on these little getaways. So that is and has been my sunshine medicine for this week. What am I looking forward to? Well, if you haven't guessed what this, this whole episode is about, it's about travel. So I'm looking forward to more travel. I'm hoping to go to Solvang which is a little Danish town uh, a couple hours north of Los Angeles. And I'm hoping to go with a few girlfriends in a week or two. So yeah, more travel is what I'm looking forward to. And this week to wrap it up with, with my what's hot is uh, a local designer that I met um, recently. Their brand is called Elele. And uh, again, I posted on my Instagram some pictures of me wearing the Elele dress. Um, it's a beautiful dress that I just recently bought from her. And it is multicolored. 
it's like a midi maxi-ish dress on me because I'm shorter. And I took some really cool pictures over at Seven Magic Mountains on our way back home from Vegas. So definitely check that out. It's super beautiful. Um, ordinarily, I don't, well, I guess if you've listened to our fast fashion episode, you know that I don't typically talk about purchasing clothes all that much, but when it comes to local designers or sustainable brands, I'm all about that. So I'm excited about Eleli. Um, she's pretty cool. She's a local uh, artist designer and she designs all of the, these, clo- these clothes herself. So check her out. Let's talk a bit more about this episode. Um, the episode is all about solo female travel. So I think it's like probably uh, buzzwords that you've heard before. Uh, probably something that you, depending on your age, maybe you've thought about it in the past, you've already done your travel, you're kind of like, I'm in a different stage of life, or, you know, you've been wanting to do some travel for a long time and well, COVID got it, got in the way. So I see, like, I've been seeing a lot of, um, things coming back around and becoming more popular with respect to travel and especially solo travel and female travel, solo female travel. So I think this is a really important topic to discuss. And I think it's kind of a light, fun episode. I think it's something that people will benefit from now that COVID is, fingers crossed, winding down. Yeah. So in this episode, I am going to tell you a little bit more about my experience as a solo female traveler. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about why I think you should travel solo. Um, considerations, cautions, tips, tricks, things you need to know, thinking about where you should go and choosing that destination, and then a little tidbit about a future kind of second part to this that I'm hoping to get into. story to the end I think probably talk about it throughout um, as it comes up but I first want to talk to you about why I think you should travel solo now I understand that maybe you're not a she um, a female but perhaps you're just a person interested in solo travel. So consider this an episode for you too, and consider these tips and recommendations for you as well. I think female just being the dominant kind of group that gets characterized by, um, you know, you should travel solo, you should step outside your comfort zone um, because of a lot of differences in cultural norms and that it's not as typical for women to take off on their own. So all that aside, why should you travel solo? I think there are so many reasons why you should travel solo and why you should even consider this in the first place. I think one of the best reasons is that you learn about yourself. You learn about yourself. You learn what you're capable of doing. You can find confidence. I mean, you have to make so many quick decisions. You have to decide where you want to be, how you want to get there, and how you can get there safely. It's not easy planning all of this alone, but it's extremely rewarding. So I would say the number one thing is you learn about yourself, you learn about your likes, your dislikes, and you can build an enormous amount of confidence, which translates into so many other areas of your life. I'll tell you more about that in my story. You also get to meet people. I have met some of the most incredible friends and individuals, just interesting people, people who have the most wild careers, those who have the biggest goals, those who know how to have the best time and some of the best listeners and support people that I know. Um, Generally speaking, if you thought it was a good idea to travel and to travel to that destination, probably people you're meeting there have similar ideas or might be somewhat like you. So you're going to meet some pretty amazing people. And a lot of these friendships are lifelong. Or 
at least this is someone you can call up and maybe go on another trip with so that if solo traveling wasn't for you, now you know someone who might be interested to go with you. On that note, I think solo travel is really critical for anyone who is busy, has a busy schedule, has limited availability. I mean, we are not all uh, fresh out of high school on our gap year or whatever year you're having off before college or between college and other studies. Um, so, you know, that time can be really limited. If you travel on your own, you're on your own schedule and you're on your own availability. You can also travel at your own pace and in your own style. So I think a big problem that a lot of people I've talked to have had was that friends were never quite available when they were and it was really hard to line up a particular trip with the availability that both people had. It was also difficult, I've heard and personally experienced, uh, to travel with people who don't travel in the same way as you. So people have all sorts of different needs and wants and ways that make them feel safe and things they want to see and places they want to go and where they want to stay and how much money they want to spend. This is just characteristic of different travel styles. And if you can find a friend who meets those things almost perfectly, then you are in good luck. And that is a great friend and you should travel with that person if you can. But that is not as common. We're all so different and it is always a compromise, but if you can travel on your own, you don't have to make any compromises. And I think there's something quite liberating and rewarding about doing that. So sometimes traveling on your, your own just frees you up from any of those things. Um, yeah, you also get to pick your style of trip and your style of travel. So like I said, you probably have your own style, whether or not you have traveled alone or traveled at all, you'll probably figure out the way that you like to travel and the things that you need. So you'll get to do that on your own and you'll get to develop that for yourself. So that's kind of why I think you should travel solo. I think there are a lot of other reasons. I mean, personally speaking, I like to travel solo because I want to collect a large portfolio of photos of beautiful places, of beautiful color combinations, patterns, textiles, and landscapes. I'm collecting painting inspiration. I am curating my Instagram, and I am out to meet crazy new, wonderful people in the world. So that's why I travel, but that that's not, you know... That's not why everyone else wants to travel alone. Um, and that's, you know, it's going to be different for every person what they end up um, getting out of it. So I think it's worth it. And I think you should definitely consider it. And uh, we'll talk a bit more uh, near the end of the episode. Considerations, cautions, tips, tricks, kind of those red flags that you need to know. Um, in this section, I break it down into a few different groups. So what to bring, uh, where to stay, how to travel, how to meet people, um, saving money and just common sense. So I think if you can pack your bags smartly and uh, not overpack, you will be thanking yourself. When I've traveled by myself, I've gone with a backpack. So there's probably camp backpack and camp rolly suitcase. And I am sure that the one group will fight the other tooth and nail to the end. I am camp backpack and I, I do that because I don't want to be limited by the terrain where I can carry my suitcase. I don't want to rely on other people to lift it up above my head if I can't because there's no, you know, backpack straps or it's an awkward size or it's kind of hard to move. I want to have control over my stuff and I want to have it where I can reach it and where I can wear it on my back and run to meet a train or whatever. So for reasons like that, for having some more control over where I can go and what I can do with my uh, stuff, 
I put my stuff in a backpack. So I have a big travel backpack. It's an Osprey. I think that's a Canadian brand. So check out your local REI if you want a, an American brand. But just a hiking or travel backpack will do the trick. I like to pack in packing cubes. And I have a friend who packs in packing cubes like there's no tomorrow. She is incredible at this. She can get so much stuff into like two packing cubes. And then her backpack is like perfectly packed. There's not, not too much of one thing and there's nothing missing. She is someone to aspire for. And I think it's because she used packing cubes. So try using packing cubes to organize yourself and to reduce, reduce, reduce. Write out your list of what you think you want to bring and then cross it in half. You don't need that much stuff. You really don't. You don't want to be dragging extra weight around, whether you're in a rolly suitcase or in a backpack. You can always, always buy something that you need. Plus, honestly, if you're not going to check your bag or you're uh, going to be flying domestically within that country, you don't want to have to check your bag. Don't bring a bunch of liquids. Buy toothpaste when you arrive. Those are just unnecessary extra things to worry about and to weigh you down and to make you have to spend money on checking your backpack or your rolling suitcase. The next thing is shoes. Shoes, shoes, shoes. That is three. Three is all you need. You do not need more than three pairs of shoes. Depending on where you're going, you're going to need a pair of good walking shoes, boots, or something comfortable that can get you around the daily terrain. If the daily terrain is the beautiful cobble street um, sidewalks in Europe, then good walking shoes. If it's like hiking in Canada, well then good hiking shoes. That is one thing you need. You also probably want some kind of casual sandal, whether this is like your shower shoe and or your like end of the day, my feet are sweaty and hot kind of shoe. And then the third pair of shoe is up to you. But I will say in my experience, I try to have a versatile shoe that kind of dresses up an, uh, an outfit, but is still comfortable. Like a sandal I can wear if it's hot or like a running shoe maybe. I have had friends who have opted for their third pair to be heels because they want to meet dress codes in certain places to get into clubs and restaurants that they're dying to go to. And I've myself have kind of done a crossover where I've picked a nice pair of sandals that I would be able to meet the dress codes for, but was still stable enough to walk longer distances in. So that choice is yours. Three pairs, though, that's that's going to be enough. The next on my list is to bring a small medical kit. So things in there might be like polysporin, band-aids, a wrap for any kind of like issue with gauze, um, blister packs for your heels, different inserts for heeled shoes or something like that. Your feet are going to hurt. There's no two ways about it. Traveling is, you're on your feet a lot. Um, you also may want to talk to your doctor before you go and try to get extra prescriptions. So either an extra amount of the prescriptions that you normally take, so you don't have to run out and worry about that on your trip. And, or maybe you want to also get other prescriptions. So other things I've asked for and had success getting from my doctor were antibiotics for different kinds of food poisoning. Um, and I think another antibiotic he gave me for another condition that I kind of was having on and off. So you can get like a prophylactic um, prescription that you can take with you just to be, just to be safe, just to be careful. So if you ask, it's often that they will allow you say a month of that or a small prescription that you can take with you. Um, other things you're going to need to bring, I would say pads and tampons in terms of other things you're going to want to line up before you go uh, medication-wise, I always check if I can, uh, if I need to have any vaccinations, immunizations, anything that needs to be done before I go to that country, either to get in or to be safe there. Um, malaria, sometimes it's recommended that you take anti-malaria medications before you go for the risk of malaria in the mosquitoes. And another easy one I always take is Ducarol, which I forgot to take from Mexico. And that's probably another reason why it wasn't as protected from my food poisoning. Okay, 
last on my list of tips for what you should bring. Um, well, I didn't even say this, or maybe I did. Research the weather and local customs before you go. I guess this is kind of on the same line as what I was going to say. You want to make sure you're bringing things that are, you know, appropriate for the weather, of course, and whatever things you're going to be doing. So activity appropriate and culturally appropriate. It sounds silly, but honestly, there are so many countries in the world still that have local customs that are not the same as American. So women and men may have dresses, may dress in ways that are offensive or inappropriate in these cultures. And you should become familiar with that before you arrive and you're shocked and now everything you've packed can't be worn. It's hard in hot places to cover everything up. So look at the fabrics you're wearing. Make sure they're breathable. Make sure they cover you from the sun. Um, make sure they'll protect you from the sun. But again, breathability can go a long way. So I, often I look for cotton, cotton blends. Also make sure, or just if you can, throw in a light scarf. I don't mean like a woolly scarf. I just mean like a big square scarf. They can be super helpful in so many countries where maybe you're wearing shorts when it's not appropriate, you didn't know, you've been caught off guard, you want to go to a particular place like a temple, a church, something like that. You can throw it on as a skirt. It will be usually acceptable. So you can always have that in your backpack. It's super light. It scrunches down into nothing. Um, that is a lifesaver. So pack the versatile scarf. All right, guys. I want to talk to you now about where you are staying. So I think there are, again, multiple schools of thought and styles of travel that lead people to stay in different places. Some people are all about the hotel life, maybe hotel, resort, whatever it is. They want to stay in a place that has a lot of reviews that they can see beautiful pictures online for and that they can know everything about it before they go. That is ideal. Of course, everybody would love to have the best possible experience. That's not always in the budget for everyone. So some people find themselves in Airbnbs, some people find themselves in hostels, or some people choose this for personal reasons like budget or because they want to meet people and it's probably a better way to meet people. Another option, and I'm not necessarily recommending this, is couch surfing. It is a free should be a free option where you can sign up to be a coach surf host and then you can coach surf on other people's coaches. Um, generally speaking, you're just staying in random places and it's not always a bed. Uh, I've had a roommate who did this. Uh, we hosted some pretty amazing people, but I myself have never been a coach surfer. She has, she's had some interesting times. I think anything can be safe and anything can be dangerous. It's about common sense. And honestly, it's about random chance. I don't know if I would recommend couch surfing. Probably not for a first time solo traveler, let alone solo female traveler. I'm just saying. So when you're booking your hotel, your Airbnb, your hostel, or wherever else you're deciding to stay, you're going to want to look at a few different things. What style are you looking for? What do you want to do there? Why are you staying there? What region of the city of the country are you going to be in? If you are looking for luxe, you are looking for picturesque, you are looking for things to be done for you, you want a good sleep on a good mattress with, you know, little noise and curtains that close at night, stay at a hotel or an Airbnb that's in your budget. That is going to be more secure that is going to be probably more peace of mind and you're probably going to be able to predict things. Um, often hotels have extra amenities that you won't have to think about because the hotel will have looked after them for you. Maybe shuttles to certain places or perhaps discounts or affiliations with certain tours. So a hotel can be a really nice place to start and it can take away a lot of that stress for a person who's traveling on their own for the first time. If you're traveling on your own for the first time and you're like, I don't want to do a hotel, but you're worried about the first few days, the first few steps of making it on your trip, booking a hotel can be amazing. If you book it for one, two nights, just to get yourself acquainted to the idea of being alone or being in a new country and trying to get your feet on the ground. 
So I often do that. And I think that's a good idea. Um, and some people just want to stay in a hotel the whole time. And that's awesome. And you should do that if you want to do that. Think Airbnbs follow under some of those guidelines in terms of what they can offer you. I don't, or as the same as the hotel, I should say, but I don't think they necessarily give you a huge amount more security or structure. They're perhaps just more comfortable, um, more luxurious, more interesting, um, definitely more private, but you're going to need to get yourself still to this Airbnb. You're probably going to have to go through some check-in process and there may or may not be like added security in the building you're staying in. The one thing I will say about the Airbnb is you need to book that a little bit out uh, in advance because you need to work with the person you're staying with to be able to secure that booking. You might not be able to book it as last minute as a hotel or a hostel. Now, uh, tips for booking things like Airbnbs or hotels. This is just a tip from my life experience. And if you're like me, where you book things last minute, or you change your mind, you can use something called hot air. I feel like this is so obvious and everyone's going to be rolling their eyes, but I literally talked to a few people the other day when I had booked my Vegas trip and they didn't know what hot wire was. So maybe it's not that common. Hot wire is a website where you can go and plug in the dates you want to go and where you're going. And it will narrow things down to different regions in that particular area and give you quotes on basically hotels that they won't reveal to you until you purchase, but it will tell you the quality, the level, the rating. It'll give you so much information. So if you don't really care exactly where you're staying, but you know, you want a somewhat particular region and you have some flexibility and you don't care exactly about the hotel, use Hotwire. You can save hundreds of dollars because they're just filling up unused hotel rooms at last minute. Okay. I want to talk a bit more about hostels. I haven't been to a hostel for like five years, so please bear with me if this information is super shitty and out of date, but hostels were the way to go when I was traveling by myself last time. Yes, it has been probably five years and that's because I did a master's program and I moved to two different cities and I have not traveled solo since then. Oh wait, there was also a pandemic, so that's probably why also. Um, but when I went last, I did use hostels. I love hostels. I love them for so many reasons. They are honestly the cheapest options you're going to get next to sleeping on the street or couch surfing, which again, I don't recommend. Um, so they're super cheap. You can book them last minute and they're probably going to be super cool and directed to people of your age group. They often have age limits. So I think a lot of them in say Europe, in Asia, where um, maybe American travelers are going more frequently, I don't know, that's not necessarily always the case, but they're pretty popular tourist destinations for people in their twenties. Um, they often have age limits like say 18 to 23, for younger ones and for older ones, maybe like 23 to 35 or like 25 to 35. So like really old people aren't staying in your hostel, but generally I found that hostels tend to trend younger anyways. Um, but there actually are age limits. So take a look and just make sure. Um, yeah, so I love hostels for the price, for the, just how cool they can be. They honestly, like I've seen so many stylish hostels and they're comfortable and they have some added security. I mean, not always, but if there is a front desk, you can check in with the front desk. You can get tips from the front desk. The front desk is often a local person. So you can learn a lot um, about the city just from the hostel you choose. Hostels are also, you know, pretty well connected with the city. They might offer you discounts to different restaurants, to different bars. They might offer walking tours or different things, different events that you might already have an interest in doing. And so that takes a lot of the stress and thinking away from it too. So they're kind of like hotels in that way. Um, but I would say they're more directed at a younger age group. They're cheaper. And uh, although there's some security in no way, what I say would be quite as safe as uh, a hotel. When I 
day safety though, I'm thinking more about like the security of your bags. Um, and like, if you're okay with shared accommodations, it can be harder to get an, an independent room in a hostel. You're often sharing, um, and you never know who you're going to run into. So you might run into the absolute most amazing people you've ever met. This is a case for me, or you might run into crazy people. Also a case for me. Um, so security can be good, but it can be more of a gamble. I love hostels and I always, always, always book hostels. Um, hostel booking, I think some of the good websites still exist. I've always used Hostel World, shows you a list. It's like booking.com and it gives you prices. You can filter things out and you can just get right to the point and book what you want. Um, Hoteling International is a popular one and I think it's like a UK brand that is around the world in so many countries. But I think you have to pay member fees and have registration and then show some kind of card when you arrive at a Hostel International. Plus I think they have age limits, so just be aware of that. Whenever you travel though, where whether you're staying in a hotel, an Airbnb, a hostel, whatever, please book your first night of accommodations. Book the night that you arrive because you are going to be so jet lagged you want to die. And book any uh, first night after a flight because it's just going to be more complicated if you arrive and you're not sure where you are. That is what I do. That is what I recommend. travel, what you should bring, where you're staying, and I want to talk about how specifically you can travel. Train, bus, plane, boat, submarine, whatever. Um, there are a lot of benefits to picking certain kinds of travel, and honestly, I think it depends on the country, so you should do your research before. What is the most common way to travel for young people, for solo travelers, for female travelers, and solo female travelers? What is considered safe by the locals? What has been considered safe by previous travelers to these regions? And what's the most convenient, time efficient, and cost effective? So in my opinion, for example, train travel has been absolutely by far the most effective way to travel across Europe. When you are in your 20s, you can get a pass called Eurorail and you can get things for super cheap because they lump all these train tickets into one and you just kind of scratch out when you use one of the prepaid tickets. So you can get super good discounts by reading ahead or looking ahead and reading about um, different kinds of ways to save on travel. So that's one example. I found in other countries that train travel is extremely unreliable and is extremely disjointed and will never get you to your destination. So instead, I've booked a bus, which has been very time consuming and and often is difficult, but it is the most reliable way to get somewhere. And in certain cases, it's just too frustrating. And I've looked into domestic flights, which I thought might be too expensive, but it's not the same outside of North America. Sometimes domestic flights are extremely cheap and they're effective and you can get them like a day out. So check it out. Maybe you can get a good domestic flight, but just remember what I said at the beginning Try not to carry liquids with you because then you'll have to check your bag and pay a lot more. And then maybe that's not so cost effective. Um, a note on Ubering and taxiing. Um, sometimes taxis are not the most safe option. Um, there's definitely widespread reports about people who have trouble, serious trouble with their taxis. Um, and there's definitely a case to be made for taking an Uber where you already have that person's, like the driver's information and they're already registered. You can see their ratings. You can understand, um, like what to expect and you can send that information to a friend. Um, so they know where you are if something bad happens. 
That being said, not everywhere has Ubers. If you're taking a taxi, I like to just take a quick picture of the taxi license plate number or the taxi number on the back of the car. And I always just ask my taxi taxi driver's first name. I'm not sure if this will do anything for me if I'm kidnapped, but I'm assuming that this extra level of security, if I text it to say my mom or a friend or Mike, that'll hopefully help. Um, so it's just a tip. Okay, another tip on how to travel. Like I said, you are probably going to arrive. You're going to be jet lagged and you're going to be so jet lagged you want to die. Is what I think I said. I am not kidding. If you are in North America, say Canada, US, whatever, Mexico, and you are going or basically to the West to Hawaii, you're probably going to be pretty jet lagged and you could be severely jet lagged. So my tip is to try to get it over with. Either try to stay up till a normal time on the, the local time or just sleep it right off and get up, start the day fresh the next day and plan that into your trip so you don't lose all that extra time. One little note on, on other things to pack. Um, it kind of goes along with the, the hostels as well. Often hostels are going to have free book exchanges. So if you carry one book with you that you're not like in love with and can't let go, you can read that book and then you can leave it at the free uh, hostel book exchanges and you can pick up another book. And so you have endless entertainment. So how can you meet people in other places? Um, other things, other ways that I have met people were at, um, by joining a tour group. So either like a day tour, going somewhere, a bike tour, a walking group tour, or actually like a couple of day tours. So Kentucky tours or, um, G adventures. Those are super good ways to meet people. And again, you're probably going to be similar people or like-minded individuals. So that's an option for you. Um, you may also try like a class, like a cooking class. You might try uh, going to a particular restaurant that has a bar with lots of people that look to be your age. Or maybe, again, go back to the hostel idea and try to network or try to meet people at your hostel. There's often like shared game rooms or like different activities in the shared spaces. So just don't curl up in a ball and stay in your room all night. Um, yeah, try and go and chat with people and step outside your comfort zone. All right, now I want to talk a bit more about saving money. So I guarantee you that your trip is going to cost more than you think. You can budget, you can have all the spreadsheets you want, but there's going to be unforeseen circumstances and things are just going to cost more. You're going to want to buy something when you're shopping and looking around. You're going to want to eat more food. You're going to want to have a few more drinks that one night. So just prepare to spend more and save money where you can. A couple good ideas that I've uh, I've used along the way are looking online um, and looking in travel magazines and asking other travelers or the hostel or the hotel for free events. So there can be like free music events, free art events free outdoor events of some kind. There is often free admission to museums um, or other kind of like government buildings that you might want to tour, gardens, other things like that. And often there are free entries at certain times of day or certain off days um, during the week. So take a look at that. See if you can save anywhere on the kind of daily activities that you want to do. Another daily activity that is often free is the walking tour. Uh, so walking tours are like really popular in Europe, for example, and you can join a walking tour for free. They will expect you to tip at the end. So tip appropriately, but just know you're saving a lot of money because you didn't have to pay for that tour. The walking tours will often try to upsell you for another kind of event. And maybe that's exactly what you want. You want to know about other events that this awesome tour group is offering, or maybe you're like, peace out, bye. And you don't have to pay for them. And that's fine. Um, and then the other thing, again, that saves you money is hosteling. Hostel, 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 and look for a good deal. Um, try using the Honey website. Honey is like a, an app that you can put on your browser and it can look for any active coupons. I'm not sure if it would work with Hostel World, but I've used it for so many things. So probably if you're looking to buy something online, take a look and see if Honey will give you a discount. Another thing is just booking online and booking in advance. That's just a tried and true technique to save money anyways. 
second to last thing before we talk a bit more about my story. Um, so common sense and street sense. Seems obvious. Here are a couple of things that I have either forgotten, messed up, or ran into a problem along the way. Research before you go. What are the local customs? What is the dress code? What are standard etiquettes for tipping and other ways to behave? Know this before you go. Then you don't have to be worried. You can take out that extra cash. You can be prepared for the unprepared. Un you can be prepared for the unexpected. Just a little bit of reading beforehand, again, in sort of like a tour guide book or blogs or um, Reddit can really go a long way. Um, write an itinerary, tell a friend, tell your family and check in at least every couple of days. Let people know where you're staying. And then when you check into that hotel, let them know that can not only be reassuring for your, you and your safety, but it can also reassure your loved ones. Your loved ones are probably going to fight you so hard the first time you want to travel by yourself. They don't want you to go. They have heard all the horror stories. They have heard nothing but the worst. And parents, siblings, friends do not want to see you go and get hurt. So they're going to fight you. And you have to do everything in your power to make sure they feel comfortable and they know you're okay. It's important. Reassure them along the way and just know that it's natural for them to worry. As you've traveled more and more by yourself, they will become less worried. You will become less worried. You'll have more skills. You'll be more prepared and it gets better. So don't let them talk you out of it and don't let that worry escalate um, such that it ruins your trip or it ruins their time while you're gone. Keep your passport and a little bit of backup cash in a safe stash with you at all times. Some people like to store like $20, 20 whatever of the local currency in their shoe, in their bra, in a little pocket inside their shorts. Um, some people maybe carry a money belt. I hate those things and I don't know if they're cool anymore, but that's a way you can keep your passport on you. Just keep things that are important like that on you at all times. And again, same goes for your bags. Don't leave your bags unattended. You have heard the announcements in the airport. They don't like that stuff. Do not leave your bags unattended. Um, okay. Uh, I would say another important thing that is super easy to forget is travel insurance. And just so you know, you can buy that on the phone and you can buy it in an airport. So if you've forgotten and it's the last second, just get on the phone and buy it. Um, screenshot the plan the number and your their emergency contact number. So when you're in a bind, you can call them immediately and you don't have to be fumbling through your email to look for what they sent you. You should also make sure that you plan ahead, like I said, and look to see what kind of requirements are, are needed to cross and, and enter that country you're going to. So I'm talking about COVID testing and border crossing with COVID requirements. Look ahead and see what's needed. Also look to see if that country just requires a visa. You'd be surprised. Sometimes a country requires a visa and they need a few weeks to get that in your passport. So plan way ahead if you can. Okay, just some like actual common sense and street smarts. Don't have your head in the clouds. Don't walk around at night alone if you can avoid it. Again, it can't always be avoided. And sometimes you're going to meet a friend. So research the area Ask local women and other local people about how safe it is. There might be a time in which it's still safe. There might be regions and neighborhoods that are still very safe. But just keep your head up. Never stop to look down and check your phone with your back turned. I always put my back against a solid wall so that I won't have someone jump up behind me. And I never stop unless it's in a well-lit area. So that, I think, I would like to think, has kept me safe and out of many difficult situations. Don't share cabs. Don't hitchhike. I mean, have you ever seen Taken? Um, and then I think this is one that a lot of people are probably wondering about, how to deal with cu the cultural norms that are not so good when it comes to how women are treated or unwanted attention from men. Just be firm. Look them in the eye. Tell them what you need, like you need them to go away, you need to be left alone, be loud. At this point, if you're feeling unsafe or bothered by a particular person, fuck politeness. That is a classic, my favorite murder 
uh, tactic, and I stand by it completely. Fuck politeness and be loud. You do not need to impress anyone. You do not need that person's attention when it is unwanted. Just send them away. And then I think one thing that's a lot less like talked about or recognized is actually loneliness. Um, you're probably going to become lonely on your trip. And I try to come up with a couple of strategies to avoid this and to help myself be prepared for it. Um, you know, it's going to happen. You're, you're just going to have a day where you're down, you're feeling lonely, you wish you could go home, you're homesick. It's pretty natural. It happens at different times throughout the trip for different people. Um, yeah, so on the days that I've been really lonely, I've FaceTimed home. I've gone for like a long walk. Uh, sometimes if I have my art supplies all paint and it just makes me feel more like myself and more like I'm home. And just know that that loneliness fades. You'll wake up the next day and you'll feel good or you'll meet someone new or you'll eat the best food of your life and it will fade and you'll be fine. Don't go home. Stick it through. Um, it's not the end of the world. You'll get through that loneliness. And it happens to everyone. It's not just you. There's not something wrong with you. You're not a bad solo traveler. It's just normal. All right. So last on the list is where should I go? Um, follow your heart? I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. Honestly, there's so many unsafe places, and I'm using air quotes, unsafe places that have been made safe by smart traveling and good street smarts, having a good plan and perhaps meeting up with a travel group when we're, you know, when you're uncertain about a particular area. And at the same time, there are so many quote safe places that have been made unsafe by completely neglecting all of the rules of traveling and everything I've just told you. Um, and, and just letting your guard down and just like not planning at all. So do your research, see what feels safe to you. Make sure you find a place that meets the needs for you. What are you looking for? What do you want to see? Who do you want to meet? What do you want to eat? What experiences do you want to have? I use Instagram. I use Pinterest. I use, I love Lonely Planet. I often look at blogs. One of my favorite bloggers is um, The Blonde Abroad. I've used a lot of her references and info for today's episode. I highly recommend her. Um, so just do your research and get inspired. You want to feel that, that excitement in your belly. You want to feel like this is like the trip. You want to get everything on your list out of it that you can. So don't let um, the kind of guise of something being safe or unsafe deter you, but be smart and be realistic. want to finish off today's episode with a little bit more about me and what I've done and where I've been and what I've learned. <laughs> I just want to talk about myself. So I first traveled when I was 19. Um, I mean, I'd done trips with family uh, just around Canada, uh, down to the U.S. before, um, not too far from my home. But when I was 19 I did my first trip to Europe and I did this with one of my best friends a guy friend and we stayed in hostels we were gone for I think it was three or four weeks and we had an absolute blast it was a blast though it was like I don't know it was like 10 countries in three weeks it is not for the faint of heart that itinerary um so I, I think from that, I learned that I love to see a lot of places. I actually don't mind moving quickly from city to city and place to place, but it got really expensive for sure. So one thing I learned on that trip was the Eurorail and how to save money by cutting down travel costs. 
And I also learned that I love hostels because you can meet so many new people and you can save a ton of money on reducing your accommodation costs. Um, I learned that me and my friends, uh, we had different travel styles. And I also learned that I can't rely on a friend to do all the planning for me. Um, I honestly didn't even realize I was being a lazy, terrible friend um, because I was so overwhelmed and so nervous um, being away from home for the first time that far away and having like flown by myself and having landed it in a new country all the way across the world and being jet lagged that I wasn't doing any research. The first like three days, I was just like, okay, well, what do you want to do? What have you planned? And, um, you know, my anxiety can get in the way of having a good time. So I like to plan a little bit of, uh, of that stuff out in advance. And I learned that on my very first trip. Um, after that, where did I go? I guess there's definitely a few smaller trips in between. Um, I've traveled with Mike to China. We were there for three, three months. We went across the southern um, provinces and then we flew up to Beijing. I think what I learned from that trip is, well, two things, maybe three, maybe more. Um, it's obviously a lot harder to communicate when English is not a language spoken in the country or written in the country at all, but there are ways to get around this. I mean, you can use different apps, um, like the Google app that scans the characters and translates things for you. Um, but just prepare yourself. It's not going to be as easy and it certainly is going to be harder to meet people, say local people, or, um, you're just going to need more accommodations to understand things. Uh, and more time, probably booking in advance is better for stuff like that. So we learned that. I think I also learned a horrible, horrible lesson on food safety and food poisoning. Um, I knew about the rule of not to drink the local water and to brush your teeth with bottled water. But whatever I ate, I mean, whatever I ate, made me so sick. And thank goodness that I took some antibiotics with me in my travel medical pack on that trip and I was able to salvage it. Another thing I learned from traveling such a huge country like China was that you really need to kind of like narrow down your expectations and your desires. So you're, you know, we all, if you're listening to this episode, you're probably just like me, you know, you're someone who wants to see the world and you just need to kind of narrow that, that focus down. Um, China is huge and so culturally distinct and diverse that you can't possibly see all of it in that limited time. So probably from that trip, I, I learned that, you know, I should have had slightly lower, slightly more narrow uh, goals and expectations. And I'm sure that would have saved us a lot of money on different domestic travels that we did through train and through plane. Um, but I really loved China. It was so interesting. And it was a huge culture shock in a lot of good ways and in a lot of very overwhelming ways. Um, after that, I went to Belize and Guatemala with a good friend. And that's probably where I learned that you don't have to cover a lot of ground to have an awesome time. We only saw a couple of cities in that small region and we were only gone for, I think it was five days. And we had the time of our lives. So that was like the first time I maybe like chilled out a little bit more and just saw the sights instead of moving from city to city to city. Um, and that was also the place where I learned that you can pack like an absolute pro. She is incredible. Um, again, I think from this trip, again, with a friend, I just learned that a lot of friends may be amazing friends, but they might have slightly different traveling styles. So it's important to know that, although this friend was pretty, pretty similar to me and it was pretty easy to travel with, with her. Um... Then I would say my first solo female travel experience was at age 26. Um, basically what happened was I turned 26 in July of that year. And then a month later, one of my grandfathers uh, had a stroke and the other grandfather uh, went into a coma after some complications with the surgery. So in about a week, I lost one grandfather permanently and I, I lost a lot of the good and a lot of the 
man I knew and my other grandfather. And I mean, not everyone is really close with their grandparents, but I really was. And I really am. And it hit me hard. And I was in a time in my life where I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had just graduated from college and I was really feeling kind of down on myself. I was working a job that I didn't think would last. Um, and I think these, you know, awful events in my family just kind of pushed me to say, I need to change. I need some time alone to really think hard about who I am and what I want out of life. People find that in so many different ways. It doesn't have to be travel, but for me, I thought travel could maybe be that answer. Um, but I was super nervous and I was not prepared to do a solo trip. I was trying to get friends to go. I was trying to find some kind of tour group. And Mike was like, why don't you just go on your own? What, what could happen? I'm sure a lot could happen, but what could happen? Try. And so I started planning my trip. I planned three weeks in Spain alone and one no, and 10 days in Morocco with one week on a tour group with G Adventures. And then I guess three days uh, by myself in Morocco and then another week in Spain. So was that five weeks total? And it was the most incredible experience of my life. I saw and fell in love with some of the most beautiful and inspiring cities. I had so many amazing walks and sits and thinks with just looking at stunning views and learning my life and kind of like journaling and taking photos and using like a visual journal. Um, I saw so many beautiful um, cultural sites and architectural sites. I discovered that I have an absolute love and passion for architecture and our installations and I got to see so many of them on my trip because it was all on my terms and all on my time. Um, I got to gain a ton of confidence. You know, I got myself to Spain from Victoria in Canada to Spain. I flew across the ocean for like 13 hours. I did that and I arrived and I had a place to stay and I was okay. Um, and then I got myself to Morocco from there and I met my tour group and I found them okay and I didn't get lost. And then I spent three days alone in Morocco and nothing bad happened. And I was okay and I got home just fine. Um, so I built so much confidence, which was really huge for me, especially at that time where I had no confidence in myself, in my career, in what I wanted to do. And my anxiety was pretty dang high and undiagnosed at that point. Um, yeah, so that was pretty incredible. And I think I wish that everyone could have that experience, whether that's travel or something you've been dying to do. I think you should do it. I think you should take that leap of faith. I think you should say yes. And I think you should do it on your terms. So I hope that from this episode, you learned a little bit more about me and a little bit more about why I chose to travel solo, what I got out of it, where I went, and some of my experiences. Didn't get into it in too much detail, and I'm hoping that maybe I'll do sort of like a part two with a special solo female traveler guest and talk to you a little bit more about that. Um, I hope you also learned about why you should travel, why it could be good for you, um, where you could travel, and get, get any inspiration to travel alone. Hopefully you also have an idea of what to pack, where to stay, how to meet people, and what kind of physical travel types you will take, train, bus, plane, Uber, um, and then tips for saving money. And of course, the most important thing, common sense and problems I've already run into and troubleshooted myself. It's been a pleasure. Um, yeah, follow me on Instagram at Coconut Grove Pod. Uh, you can follow me on my personal page at Ashley Hansen. Uh, I have a lot of my travel photos on my personal page, so I would love it if you followed me there. Um, you could always engage with me on that or on the, the uh, Coconut Grove's Instagram. Um, drop me a message, let me know where you're going next, ask me any questions you have, and uh, yeah, just Go for it, travel, explore, and 
and live your best life. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next one.